0: We thank you, God, that you're so near to us. We thank you that you're intimately acquainted with all of our ways. We thank you that your eyes are ever upon us. That nowhere we go is ever hidden from your sight. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You know my coming in and my going out. If I ascend to the depths, you're there. Jesus, we love you. And God, I ask this morning that you would pierce our hearts with your word. Lord, I believe that the word of God is living and active. I believe that the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. Dividing soul from spirit, dividing joint from marrow. And so God, I just ask that you would pierce our hearts, that you would minister to us this morning. And God, that you would match my weak words with your power and your glory. Because it's in our weakness that your strength is made perfect. Oh, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you guys aren't sick of me yet, because <laughs> you get a, you get another double dose um, with worship and the message this morning. But I, the message that I'm going to talk about this morning, I I almost felt bad when the Lord gave it to me, <laughs> just because I feel like a lot of times over the last five months, some of the messages that I've been felt that I needed to give are kind of, I don't want to call them downer messages, but they're really acquainted with. Just the human experience and the brokenness that we experience in this thing we call life. And I I have another one for you this morning. But um, as I was just kind of struggling through that concept, um, I just want to let you know my intention in talking about these things is not to take the attention off of Jesus and onto us. But my main goal is to make known the reality that we're all broken. All men are broken. And that in our weakness, it is his strength that's made perfect. I think the glory of Jesus is intimately involved in our human experience. He is glorified in our human experience because he himself is a human. Jesus is a man. He knows our pain. He's a great high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows exactly our pain. It says he was tempted in literally every single way. He resisted sin to the point of shedding his blood. But Jesus, when we go through storms, when we go through trials, when we go through fire, he's with us in the fire. Jesus is with us in the fire. He's in the midst of every one of our storms. And so, without going too much into uh, a disclaimer about the message this morning, I just want to talk to you guys about the threshing floor. Can we talk about this thing called the threshing floor? You were created, before, before I get into the specifics of that, I just want to let you know, you were created to soar. God created you not to live a mediocre halfway life. He created you to soar, to fly, to have dreams and real destinies. And you were created to live that out with full freedom and abandon. I remember I was about 25 years old, and one of my friends, I was living in Kansas City at the time, one of my friends came up to me. I had been at the House of Prayer at that point for about maybe six or seven years, and uh, are you guys familiar with IHOP, the International House of Prayer? Is there anyone in here who is not? Awesome. Good. So I was was on staff at the International House of Prayer for about 10 years, 25 years old. One of my best friends comes up to me, and he goes, he goes, Gilman, what do you want to do? Like, what are you talking about? I'm doing it. No, 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 no. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be, like, do you want to be in the house of prayer for the rest of your life? if you do, that's awesome. It's like, what's your dream? What's your goal? What's your vision in life? And honestly, like, <laughs> I remember just staring blankly back at him because I didn't have an answer. And I knew I was fulfilled in what I was doing. But I also had this weird inkling in my heart that there was more that there was something more for me, that there was something beyond what I was experiencing now, but I didn't know how to pursue it because I didn't know what it was. And I honestly, I I had so much anxiety. For about three months, when I was 25 years old, for three months, I had like a quarter-life crisis. Like, I had three months where I was just going, God, what am I doing? What is my vision? Give me something. And and I lost sleep over it. I I had so much anxiety, and I was just like, I'm visionless, Lord, help me. Um... But, you know, through that process, it actually has given me motivation. It's given me something to live for, to strive for, not in an ungodly way, but to partner with God because God wants to make your dreams come true. In fact, I believe it's God, its not that our dreams are carnal, that we can build a kingdom for ourselves. I believe God gives you those dreams. God placed those ambitions and those dreams in your heart so that he could walk it out with you and make it happen. Even dreams that seem impossible now, God says, I can make a way because I'm... I'm the God of impossible things. I walk on water. I can do this for you. Let's do it together. But you were created to live out your dreams. And honestly, I, wanna sh- I mean, some of my dreams, I want to make uh, just practically, like, I want to make a global impact in the music industry. In Christian music. I want to make a global impact. I want to not necessarily call myself a big deal, but I want, I want the music that I write to actually touch the hearts of a generation. It's not about making a name for myself. I want the music that I write, the songs that I sing, whether it's a cover or an original song, I want my songs to actually go to the nations and touch people's hearts and change people's lives. Like that's a real dream and a real vision for me. I would love to, I'm going to say it, don't think I'm carnal, I would love to be rich, I would love to make a lot of money. I don't think uh, just because we, we have this false poverty mindset, some of us in the church, that because we're storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, we have to live a life of poverty on the earth. I don't think that's true at all. I think that God wants us to flourish. He wants us to prosper. And so, I mean, just if I can be real with you, in, in, the, in the best way, like, I, I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> like, I want to be able to provide for my family and provide for my kids and do fun things and go on cool vacations. But also sow into the kingdom and, 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 and empower other people to do what they're called to do and, and give them and sow into them. And so uh, I, have, I have a lot of dreams But I just want to let you know, God created you to be great. You were made for greatness. It's okay to want it. (laughs) One of the innate longings of the human heart is to be great. Uh, Mike Bickle has a book. It's called The Seven Longings of the Human Heart. One of the seven longings that's woven into your DNA as a human being is the longing for greatness. You actually see it throughout the scriptures. The disciples actually, with Jesus, they're going, Jesus, which one is going to sit at your right hand? Jesus in the kingdom, when the kingdom comes, who's going to be the greatest? You know, that was a real question in their, in their mind. And, and Jesus goes, well, you just, you just have to become a, like a child and then you'll, then you'll be great. And so like Jesus speaks in parables and it's a mystery. I'm not going to go into that. But um, God placed those dreams and longings inside of you. Some of you have dreams to be an awesome businessman or a businesswoman. Some of you have a dream to be a stay-at-home mom. Some of you might have a dream to be, like, the best banjo player in the world. (laughs) Like, maybe your dream is to become an awesome plumber and to minister to the people whose houses you go to. Like, I think sometimes we think in a religious box a little bit, and just because our dreams might not be ministry-related does not mean that they're not God-given and legitimate. You are called to carry the kingdom of God inside you in the form of the Holy Spirit to all spheres of society. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. You don't have to be in full-time church ministry to live out your calling and to live out your dream. Don't disqualify your dream by a religious spirit that says it's because it's not ministry. It's not valid. Um, And if you haven't figured out your dream, if you haven't figured out what you want to do, I just encourage you to go into that. Hopefully it's not three months like mine. But ask yourself that question agonize over it for a little bit. Really, like, s- wrestle with the Lord about it. God, what is the dream that you've placed inside of me? What, what do I want to do? And, like, how can you lead me through it? And so just ask yourself those questions. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to do it with? And, um, yeah. So that, I was 25 years old. I'm 33 now. And I remember a, a couple weeks ago, this was after the New Year, so just, like, a week and a half ago. Almost two weeks ago. Um, I was watching a, a recap of the One Thing Conference. You guys, Did anyone in here go to One Thing? I know Keegan, you went to One Thing. Um, the One Thing Conference is a big end-of-the-year conference at IHOP in Kansas City. Um, usually the last four days of the year, they bring in the new year with worship. It's It's amazing. It's beautiful. And I didn't get to go this year. Um, and I remember I was, I was watching this recap video of the entire conference, and I was just like, oh, my God, I wish I could have been there. These are all my friends. And then I just began to remember everything that happened to me when I was at IHOP for, for 10 years and how many opportunities I had been given there, how much favor I had been given um, you know, I, I had the privilege to travel with Lou Engle for about five or six years and do um, some of the call events with him. Um, I had the opportunity to record a couple different uh, projects and, all. you know... Traveling opportunities, CD recordings. Um, through my connection there, I just actually got to be part of a book project that we just actually released a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a 40-day devotional, um, which is really cool. Um, but I had lifelong friendships. And I, I'm thinking back, and I was like, Lord, you set me up for the dream that I told you I wanted when I was 25 years old at IHOP. And then, I can't, and then you moved me to Florida. <laughs> like, I had everything that I could have wanted at IHOP. Why did you bring me here? Why am I here? What was the purpose of that? Because if I can be real with you and I don't want to exalt this or glorify this more than I need to, but my life kind of fell apart when I moved to Florida. <laughs> and I wasn't angry at the Lord when I was, when I was asking these questions, but I was just kind perplexed because I was just kind of meditating on all of it. And I was just like, Lord, I, I literally had everything that I told you I was dreaming for. In Kansas City, I had the the ministry opportunities, I had the travel opportunities, I had the recording opportunities, and it was all going awesome. And then you come and bombard my life, and you move me to Florida, and everything falls apart. All of a sudden, in Florida, I was I was hidden. I was part of a smaller ministry, so I didn't have as many travel opportunities. Um, To be frank and real, my marriage fell apart when I moved to Florida. My wife and I, my new wife, we got married this past August, and she's been an amazing miracle answer to prayer. Um, And I'm not going to go into all the details of what happened, but my marriage fell apart. My family fell apart when I moved to Florida. And so I'm just, I'm thinking about all of these things. I'm like, God, what were you, why? Why did you do this? Why did you do this to me? And and I was going maybe maybe I misunderstood maybe I wasn't supposed to move here maybe I misunderstood what you were telling me or maybe I was being for punished uh, for something maybe I was being punished for something I did that I didn't realize I did, um, and I was watching my friends on this stream at IHOP and they were ministering and I just began to ask God these hard questions I want you to uh, just I just want to say this to you. like God's not afraid of your honesty He's not intimidated by hard questions He wants real honest conversation with you. Um, and I remember just as I was sitting on the couch watching the stream asking God these questions, he spoke to me so clearly, and this is what he said. He said, "I led you to the threshing floor on purpose, so that I could separate the good from the bad in your life. I did this because I created you to fly." And there were things in your life that were preventing you from soaring into the destiny that I have prepared for you. I want to read that again just because it was, it was such a powerful moment for me. And hopefully those words can, can minister to you in a, in, a, in a certain way too. But uh, he said, I led you to the threshing floor on purpose so that I could separate the good from the bad in your life. I did this because I created you to fly. And there were things in your life that were preventing you from soaring into the destiny that I've prepared for you. And I just remember um, Kelly came into the room and, as I was just receiving this. And, and we just sat on the couch and I told her what the Lord has spoken to me. And I just remember weeping for about five, ten minutes just at the, the reality of why I'm here. <laughs> but also just the tenderness in which the Lord spoke to me. Um, but I came to the, re- the realization that what I was experiencing was not punishment. It was purification. I think sometimes we mistake what God, the, the activity of the Lord in our life as an attack from the, from the enemy. Or sometimes we mistake the activity of the Lord in our life as a punishment. When actually, no, God is just doing what you've asked him to do. <laughs> and maybe, maybe you've asked him to do things by accident. It's really tricky. I call them like trick worship songs when they're like... God, purge me and I'll be clean and wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. I hate that because it tricks me. It's like this beautiful melody, but you're like, God, crush me. Like, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's a tricky thing. And sometimes I feel bad as a worship leader that I have to manipulate you guys into singing that. <laughs> um, but so many times over the years, I remember singing in the prayer room. We're praying, Lord, I just want to be like you. Jesus, I just want to be like you. I want to know you more. And uh, make me holy as you are holy. And I sang the DC, the DC Talk song. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. You guys know it. Come on. Toby Mac, you guys know it. I think it's easy to pray those prayers without realizing what the process is actually like to achieve Christ-likeness. It's easy to sing those songs. God, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. God, purge me, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, it's, it's like we romanticized these verses in the form of a beautiful melody. But when God actually answers our prayers, we actually get offended at him. God, how could you do this to me? He's like, well, you asked me to. You wanted, you wanted this. We need to realize what the process of purging is like. Sometimes the washing can feel like waterboarding. <laughs> right the definition of of a purge to rid someone or something of an unwanted quality condition or feeling to remove in an abrupt or violent way uh, psalm 51 says purge me with hyssop hyssop wasn't it's a, it's an old plant um it was used um in three different ways all of them can be used uh can be considered purges um one of them is medicinal purposes uh hyssop was like an ancient antibiotic, and so if you got sick, if you got uh, a massive illness, they would have you uh, drink a hyssop tea, and it would, uh, it would cleanse your body of the disease. Um, two, the stalks of, uh, it was almost like bamboo, the stalks that hyssop grow on are hard, like long rods, and they were used to discipline, um, spare the rods, but like, you know, like, th- that's what hyssop was used for, and also, th- I thought this was funny as I was researching it, hyssop was also a laxative, so that's another purging of sorts. I <laughs> just thought I would share that with you. <laughs> um, but the Lord mentioned to me, <laughs> I have to look more into that. Um, the Lord spoke to me. He mentioned the phrase, I, I brought you to the threshing floor. So I, I began to study the process of purging and threshing. What did that look like? Threshing is the process of separating the grain or the seed from the actual plant. It's a rigorous act that can be done in many ways. Typically today in our modern society, threshing is done by machinery. Uh, But long ago, it was very exhausting and almost a violent act. Some had horses or donkeys trample over the plant. They'd bring in the harvest, they'd, they'd cut down their plants, and they'd bring it all in to this thing called the threshing floor, and they'd have their horses or their donkeys or their livestock trample on it as hard as they could. They'd kick it to separate the seed from the actual plant. Um, some would beat the plants with sticks or stalks, perhaps stalks of hyssop. And some would take bundles of the plant and actually step on it barefoot and, like, try to rip it apart with your toes. Like, I watched the video. And I was like, I'm not eating that after that. But, um, but they, they would step on the plant and, and just stomp on it as hard as they could until all of the seeds were purged or threshed from the actual plant. Um, And so, needless to say, if you are being laid on the threshing floor, it's not necessarily a pleasurable experience for you. Threshing hurts. If you're on the threshing floor, it hurts. But I think sometimes we just need to realize that what we're experiencing is the answer to our own prayers. And it's actually the mercy of God to do it for you so that you can be enabled and empowered to do what you were created to do so that you can live out your dreams with Jesus. Um, I I was searching for this uh, scripture in the Bible. It's Matthew 13, uh, verses 24 through 30. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He said, another parable he put before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares, or the weeds, also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest... And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and find them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. I think there's there's so many powerful details in this passage of scripture, um, but there are two that really stuck out to me as I was reading this and I was studying this over the last couple weeks. The timing of God is perfect. The timing of the Lord is perfect in your life. He knows exactly when the harvest in your life needs to be brought in. And he he brings in the harvest. Sometimes when he brings in the harvest, it feels like a bit of a step backwards, you know. When you're being cut down, it doesn't always feel good. When that harvest, the harvest is kind of a violent act too. You're chopping down the plant that's been growing for however long. Um. But all that time you've been growing, you've been bearing fruit, you've been learning your craft, you've been perfecting your trade, you've been learning excellence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he's not threatened by the weeds. The One thing that stuck out to me is that when they were like, well, there's so many weeds around, should we just go pluck up the weeds? And he said, no, 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 no. I care about the plant so much that I'm going to let you let the weeds grow with it so you don't uproot the plant with it. So you don't uproot the good things with the bad. God's not threatened by the weeds. God's not threatened by those, thing, those extra things in our lives because he knows he's going to take care of it. He's not threatened by the weeds. He knows that he's going to separate that from you when he brings in the harvest and lets you grow even in the midst of adversity. Um, The second thing that I realized was whether or not it was known to you, there are likely some things growing alongside of you that the whole time would hinder you from your destiny. When the Lord brings in the harvest, he has to burn away what is harmful. He burns it away. It's not a step backward. The fire always brings purification. You got. uh, I I was thinking about the purification process of gold. Gold, um, when put in fire, all of the 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 what are they called impurities in the gold? Thank you, are melted out when you put it in fire. It's burned out so that when when the fire cools, you have a perfect pure piece of gold. Um, And that's another. (laughs) It's another beautiful song, Misty Edwards' song. Um, Fling wide the door to my heart. Open up the door to my soul. Test me, try me, prove me, refine me like the gold. It's beautiful melody. <laughs> but painful to live out. <laughs> Test me, try me, prove me, refine me like the gold. Basically, you're asking God to scorch you in fire. <laughs> um, and I want to just give a little bit of a disclaimer here. I want to emphatically state that I do not believe God causes divorce. I don't believe God causes disease. I don't believe God causes your brokenness of any kind. God did not plant the weeds. Uh, In the parable, the the field worker said it was the enemy that did it. Those things are all byproducts of a sinful world and our sinful nature. It was the enemy who actually sowed the tares, not God. And I don't believe that he makes you sick to teach you a lesson. I I, I knew a man, uh, this was probably 15 years ago. I knew a guy, um, he was in my dad's church. and he was diagnosed with cancer, and we, had, uh, we wanted to do uh, a healing service for him. And he said, no, 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 I don't want to be healed. God gave me cancer because I'm learning about God through the process. And I think, I think there, he, his heart was pure in his motive for saying that, but I think his theology was a little bit off. God does not make you sick to teach you a lesson. God does not make you get divorced to teach you a lesson about who he is. I believe God, because we live in a broken, sinful-natured world, God lets some of these things happen, and he uses them in the midst, even though they're not necessarily his will. God's will is never divorce. God's will is never death. It's always to heal. It says, when the sick came to Jesus, did he, uh, how, many, how many of them did he heal? He didn't heal most of them. He didn't heal some of them. He didn't pick and choose which ones he wanted to. It says he healed 100% all. All of them. It is never his will to make you sick. It is never his will to make you go through a divorce. It is never his will to to go through the brokenness and the hardship. But it's in the midst of it all that he teaches you about himself. Because Jesus went through hardship. Jesus went through brokenness. Jesus went through betrayal. Jesus went through temptation. He is a great high priest who can sympathize with every single one of your weaknesses. I don't believe that he intentionally places you in situations that can, can or could harm you. But I do believe that the Lord lets things happen that he can use in our lives to teach us things about who he is and about who we are. And one thing that I've learned over the course of the last couple years is pain is an escort into the heart of God. Pain is an escort into the heart of God. Don't despise seasons of pruning or seasons of correction or seasons of refining or purification. These seasons are likely, again, an answer to your own prayers to be more like Jesus. To know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and in the power of his resurrection. He's near to the brokenhearted. I can say that with full confidence. Honestly, you guys. Uh, I went through one of the darkest, hardest seasons of my life. It was horrific. But I have never felt the Lord closer to me than in, those, in that season of my life. I know things about Jesus now that I could have never possibly known had I not gone through that season. And again, he didn't cause it. He didn't make it happen. That was, choi- that was a human choice. But God used that situation in my life to teach me about his faithfulness and his nearness and his redemption and his restoration. He's near to the brokenhearted. But in order for there to be resurrection in your life, there first needs to be a death. In order for there to be resurrection in your life, something first needs to die. I believe some of you have experienced death. I feel like the Lord is, is saying there's a resurrection coming for you. It's how he operates his kingdom, it's how he operates in creation. I love it says creation testifies the glory of God. And I love this verse in John uh, John twelve twenty four It says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it actually produces much grain, produces much fruit. Isn't that weird? <laughs> seems like counterproductive. First you've got to kill it, and then it's going to give you fruit. But it's, it's the way he runs his kingdom. If Jesus had just died and stayed in the grave then what's the point of Christianity? But Jesus, he, he was the seed that fell to the ground and he, and he died, but he was resurrected again. When he put in the ground, he resurrected and he bore fruit in planet Earth amongst the nations. What does the Lord want to resurrect in your life? And what does the Lord want to multiply in your life? You're experiencing death now, there's a resurrection coming. If you're experiencing pain right now, there's a restoration coming. And uh, I just want to invite the team back up. Um, and I want to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I'll say that again. Our light affliction which is but for a moment, it's just a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The momentary pain, though it's real, it's worth it. But there are two words that Paul used to describe the pain. He said it's light. It's not the heavy. Sometimes we make it, we, we make it heavier in our minds than it actually is. It's light and it's momentary. It's light and it's momentary. Even if your struggle is actually years or decades long, hopefully it's not that long, but uh, what if, what is a few years of momentary pain compared to an eternity of eternal pleasure? You guys, we need to have an eternal mindset. In a billion years from now, in 10 billion years from now, we will be reaping the, the benefits or the consequences of the decisions that we've made in the 70, 80 years. In 10 billion years from right now, you will be alive. You are going to have a 10 billionth birthday one day. Isn't that crazy? Like, let that blow your mind. I'm going to be, like, I pan, <laughs> I was thinking about that last week. I, I almost panicked in the car as I was thinking about it. I was like, I really hope this is all true. I hope you're really as fascinating as we say you are, God, <laughs> because, like, 10 billion years, that's a long time. It's a long time. You're going to have a 10 billionth birthday and in 10 billion years from now, you're going to be reaping the consequences or the benefits of all of the decisions that you made in this tiny little 70, 80, 90 year window. We need to live for eternity. We need to live in light of eternity. Who cares? Maybe we'll go through a decade of pain. Maybe we'll feel a little bit of pain. We'll feel scorched a little bit by the fire. But we're, we're becoming like him. We're, he's answering our prayers in light of eternity. God, Jesus, is a man of vision. And at the end of the day, he sees the next 10 billion years. And he goes, oh, I want you pure. I want a pure and spotless bride. So, yeah, I'm going to let you feel the fire a little bit. I'm going to let you go through the ringer a little bit. I'm going to put you through the purging a little bit. I'm going to purge you with hyssop. I'm going to refine you in the fire. I'm going to place you on the threshing floor. And it's not because I'm punishing you. It's not because I'm angry at you. It's because I'm answering your prayers and I'm making you like me. That you would be with me where I am. That you would behold my glory. That we would be near to God in 10 billion years. Oh, that we would just be near to him. It's worth it, you guys. It's worth it. And the pain, the affliction is light and it's momentary. But it goes on to say the pain that you experience now is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Sometimes we make the weight on the affliction. But the weight, the weight, the heaviness is on the glory that comes after the affliction. The affliction is light, the glory is heavy. The affliction is light, the glory is heavy. Oh, the affliction is light, the glory is heavy, the glory that awaits you is heavy. I feel like this morning, the Lord wants to remind you. He wants to remind you that the threshing floor, though it's painful, it's a place of kindness and mercy. Though it's difficult, it's his mercy that he brings you there. And I believe that time that I had spent in Kansas City that I felt like the Lord was building me up to live out my dreams was actually a, it was a season of, of education. It was a season of me learning how to grow in my gifting and in my, in my craft and perfecting all of those things and cultivating a spirit of excellence. But the Lord knew from the very beginning that was just a season for me. And he had to cut down or ha- bring in the harvest of all of the things that I had planted and built up in my life. And there were weeds in the midst of it. And God had to prune and he had to burn away the chaff that would have hindered me from actually soaring into my destiny with him. It's not a step backwards. I just feel like the Lord says, I have you right where I want you. If you're on the threshing floor, if you're feeling like maybe you've taken a step backwards, it's not a step backwards. It's the mercy of God to prune you. It's the mercy of God to separate the good from the bad in your life so that you can be pure and spotless before him. And I also just feel this morning like God wants to release grace for you. If you're on the threshing floor right now and you're feeling that pain, if you're going through that season, I just feel like the Lord wants to release grace. I invite you to stand. Just as we begin to close out, Jesus, Jesus, we thank you for the pruning. We thank you for the chastening. We thank you for your discipline. We thank you for your intentional leadership. God, we thank you for the giftings and the callings and the dreams that you've placed in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, I ask this morning that you release grace upon grace upon grace upon grace to go through those seasons of the light and momentary afflictions, to go through the seasons of the threshing, to go through the seasons of the refining, Some of you have already experienced the threshing. Some of you are going through the threshing now. Some of you, the threshing is coming. (laughs) I just want to open the altar this morning. If you feel like you just want to receive an impartation of grace, an impartation of grace to, to walk through that season, if you're in it right now, or if you feel that there's that season coming, I just feel like the Lord is saying, I'm releasing grace to you. I want to open up the altar. Just invite you forward. But Lord, we say we will bless you in the pain. We will praise you in the midst of storm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Release grace right now grace upon grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. Oh, reveal your kindness. Reveal your mercy. Reveal your faithfulness. Oh, he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an everlasting love. Let's just worship a little bit. exalt you, Jesus.
1: You, Lord, I will exalt You, Lord. No other name be lifted high. There will be, and there will be no one like. No one beside you. Jesus, you alone are worthy of all praise. There will be and there will be no